Welcome to The Habit Queen. I'm your host, Anya Perry, a work-life balance wellness coach, entrepreneur, and athlete. My goal is to help busy, driven women like you to feel incredible every day while they are pursuing their wildest dreams. If you're ready to take some powerful steps and build simple rock-solid habits, overcome stress, and multiply your physical and mental energy, you've come to the right place. Tune in each week and I'll be here to show you what strategies, methods, and tools you need to use in order to create beautiful, healthy, and harmonious life you adore. I truly believe that you can have it all. Thank you so much for joining and let's begin. What if we had the confidence in knowing that we can actually release our anxiety, reduce our stress, feel connected to others, and feel more authentic every day? I've been asking this question for a while and working with women for the last six plus years as a business owner and even longer as a coach, I've realized that almost all of us, I can't say the percentage because I don't know, go through bouts of anxiety, bouts of stress, feeling disconnected, feeling lonely, feeling overwhelmed. And most women do struggle with perfectionism. And that made me so excited to have this expert on the podcast. I've been eyeing her content for a while on Instagram. I've been listening to her podcast. I've been watching what she does in this online space as a therapist, as a mental health coach for women, and specifically entrepreneurs, because as an entrepreneur, I cannot tell you if you're not one, that's okay. You're still welcome here because this podcast is not for entrepreneurs specifically. It's the podcast for women who want to become better at habits, better at creating the life of their dreams. So Monica Denais, who is the guest today, she is a mental health coach and a licensed therapist in the state of Texas. She has been doing such an amazing work creating this, in a way, different culture around therapy, demystifying the stigma around it, and helping fellow entrepreneurs get better at what they do and feel better. We had a beautiful conversation. We talked about so many things. We talked about the differences in between finding a therapist and working with a mental health coach. We talked about connection and the sense of belonging. We talked about a few methods to release and reduce anxiety and stress in our crazy modern time. We also talked about like our upbringing and how it can influence how you're built, how you're wired and what to do about it on a a daily basis. So Monica Denais is a Latinx licensed professional counselor, certified rehabilitation counselor and a mental health coach in Dallas, Texas. Monica helps ambitious women entrepreneurs overcome anxiety, perfectionism, and burnout so they can feel confident in both life and business. Monica has been featured in Women's Magazine, Very Well Mind, and Insider Magazine. She's also the host of the Cafe with Monica podcast, where she brings amazing entrepreneurs to cover all things life, mental health, and entrepreneurship. I will tell you a secret. Monica is one of the people, one of a few people who influenced me to actually apply for grad school year ago and she supported me and in a little bit of research behind the scenes answering my questions and she was one of the first people who heard back from me when I got in a couple of weeks ago so without further ado let me introduce Monica to you and I hope you enjoy this beautiful conversation hi Monica welcome to the podcast how are you doing today 
I am doing good. It is Friday. So it's always a good day when it's Friday. Um, So I'm excited to be here with you and start chatting about all the things. Yeah, I know. I was just telling Monica behind the scenes that we couldn't log on into Zoom True Life Story, just a technology Mm -hmm. challenge for a good 15 minutes. And I was like, yeah, things we're going to talk about today are very applicable to what we're going (laughs) to we're dealing with. So I shared your official bio already. I would love to hear your story. Who is Monica, a mental health coach for women, a therapist? What's your story? What's your background? Tell us all. Yeah. So I was born in a border city, um, Laredo, Texas, and I was born um, and like raised by my grandparents and my mom and all around my, uh, you know, my childhood, I just saw people who were struggling with their mental health and the Latino culture. We don't really talk about it. It's kind of like, estás loco, like, don't like, don't limpiar, like, you don't need to deal with your mental health. It's not important. But yet I could see like my grandma suffering from depression after she lost her mother, I could see my mom struggling with anxiety and depression as well. And I could see the cycle. And if I felt like it was like, it's up to me to change it, it's up to me to give a different narrative and to change the narrative of what it's like um, being a Latino and changing the story about mental health. So I've always been an overachiever as a child. I've been just like a go-getter. I'm always the one asking a million questions in class. And I was always the one that would be dancing. I remember um, when I was younger, I was pretty into Selena and I would make my grand, I would tell my grandma to make me like the little outfits for Selena. And I would just put on a show for my family like that kind of kid right um I think now as I get older like your spark kind of like that whole like the the risk taking the just being out there kind of um stays hidden a little bit more and I'm trying right now in this season to really go back to my childhood self and really embrace being me and authentically me and it's really cool getting to know just me and being more authentic because I feel like as children, we're just so free, carefree, and just, we don't care about what other people think. And we just love joy and we love to be present. And that's kind of the season that I'm in trying to reparent myself, re unlearn negative patterns. And, and yeah, that's me kind of in a nutshell. That's awesome. You face some adversity and with people who were the closest to you, right? Then that impacted your entire life's trajectory. I love that so much. And I love that you're embracing your inner child because I feel like we, I feel like more and more people come to the realization, like no matter what we went through, we can always reparent yourself. And I Mm -hmm. love the word reparenting because it feels like Mm -hmm. so fresh. There's hardship behind it because why do we need to do this? Right. (laughs) And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. How did you become a mental health coach? It's also such a cool thing right now. Yeah. So like when I was in, um, well, first I wanted to be a lawyer and then I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then I wanted to be a child psychologist and I actually had something personally happen to me. Um, and so I ended up doing a, um, 
I went to volunteer at a children advocacy center and I was just heartbroken. I knew that I just could not work with children. It was just, there was just a lot of, in therapy, we call it transference. So sometimes when you have gone through something and um, you're seeing clients who are going through the same thing, it could feel very triggering. So unless you work through those wounds, you may not be the most unbiased, right? And not being able to be as effective. So I was doing that in high school, like uh, shadowing people there at the Children's Advocacy Center. And I was like, no, I can't do this. Like, this is just too much. And then when I graduated and started doing my undergrad program in psychology, I became a student mentor and I started mentoring um, young adults. I started mentoring them for a career. And then I went into my career counseling center and I asked like, what can I do to help other people with disabilities, physical, mental? I just want to make them like have, get access to good health care, get access to things like be able to live their best life. And they're like, have you heard about vocational rehabilitation counseling? And I was like, no, I've never heard of that. And so that's where I then ended up going to grad school for a rehabilitation counseling program, which most people think, oh, it's just addiction. Like, um, but it's more than that. It's actually you're, you're working with occupational therapists, physical therapists. It's like seeing the person holistically. And I love that. And you not only could be a certified rehab counselor, but you could also get licensed as a professional counselor. So I love that you could do both. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, that's kind of like the story of how everything came to be. It was a little bit of guidance, a little bit of kind of discovering. Sometimes I, th- I don't think we know what we want and it's hard to say at 18, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So I think exploring is always yeah. the best. Yeah. So you just took naturally a like organic path of developing and not only you're a therapist and mental health health coach, I do have this pending question for you. I'm going to ask you, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You say that before we talked, I was doing some research and I, as you know, you know, you're the one who recommended the program to me. I'm applying to grad schools to take that track. So I look up to you. I admire what you do in this space so much. And I search, you know, when you apply for grad school, you see all the data, like they throw data at you. Like Mm -hmm. this is hard data, 15 to 20% growth in the profession is expected in the last, uh, in the next Mm -hmm. decade. So this just tells me how much we need it right now. And if you're listening to this, it's not necessarily that you need to go apply to grad school, but chances are you might be struggling with certain things. Like everybody has been in the last um, few years, especially with the, all the slew of Mm -hmm. events. And I'm curious, what's the difference, especially for people who are not familiar with the online coaching space, maybe they're not entrepreneurial. Some of my listeners are Mm -hmm. some of them are not they're just doing their jobs working on their careers have families what is the difference between mental health coach and a licensed professional or counselor yeah so a licensed professional counselor can actually treat mental health concerns mental health disorders mental health illnesses and coaching um, cannot. So you're not giving a diagnosis, you're not doing a treatment plan, but you can help with action steps related to lifestyle, um, like habits, productivity. Um, you're not doing any diagnosis, you're not doing any treatment. Now it, it gets a little bit of a gray area because still we haven't really defined the difference. And I think as long as you stay in the scope of not treating people, not giving them diagnosis, not going through um, and rehashing some traumatic experiences unless it's unless it's relevant to the action item but knowing and being very mindful of when you're sharing this information with like your coaching client that you can't do any further than provide 
empathy, mm-hmm. or you can't do anything further than provide a space to listen, but you can't treat. Um, so knowing what your scope is when it comes to that. And if you find that your client is experiencing symptoms of anxiety, depression, um, having a, a lack of motivation, all of these things, um, then it might be great to say, Hey, like, I would love to support you. It just might not be the right time for you for this type of model. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be best for you to work with someone who is a mental health professional, and then you would be ready for coaching. I think coaching is an amazing thing. Most of my clients go from therapy to coaching because they're overachievers. They're, they, they want the action. They want the plan. They're like planners. So going into the model of coaching allows them to take what they've learned in therapy, put it into practice and have someone keep them accountable. Yeah. I think that's also the great distinction. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I feel like because the therapist, even just like based on my own personal experience, they don't always keep you accountable or give you homework, right? The holding space and the ability to mm-hmm. recognize the challenges. And I'm asking you because I also, I help a nonprofit and it's been a hot topic because the gray area can be really, really hard for, for us. Like it can be, I'm a mental health coach or I'm a health coach, wellness coach. I mm-hmm. have to stay within the scope because I can lose my certification. Yeah. And I you think um, there's also a misconception of that, like a, a, a therapist won't keep you accountable. Um, I think yeah. it just depends on the type of therapist because okay. there are very, there's therapists who are very direct mm-hmm. and there are therapists who are very non-direct and maybe prescribed to more traditional therapy, psychotherapy, yeah. where it's like, well, how are you feeling? Right. And mm-hmm. they don't provide right? like the, like the <laughs> typical thing that we see in, yeah. in like the TV. <laughs> um, and also misconception is that therapists only talk about the past. Absolutely not. We yeah. can talk about the past, the future, the present. It really just depends on what type of work you want. And we do provide homework again. You do? De- yeah. yeah. It depends on the type of therapist and the type of approach your therapist uses. So I use this thing called solution brief focus therapy, and it is very goal oriented yeah. short term, and it is very action oriented. Now, if we're using traditional, what's called cognitive behavioral therapy, where we're looking at your thoughts, belief systems, which is kind of similar to what coaches say, yeah. limiting beliefs, <laughs> right? Um, and so that's why the, the gray area is there yeah. um is how do we change that behavior and that's very maybe more traditional less yeah. action like more looking at the thoughts and reframing the thoughts yeah. so yeah so very a lot of misconceptions but the, yeah. and that's why it's so like there's so much gray yeah yeah i'm glad i brought this up because look you knocked out all three of them right away yeah. like three misconceptions and if i was to be like someone's listening we're going to talk about some things related to stress and anxiety i really want to like yeah. squeeze it out of you as much as i can as much as we have the time for if you were someone's listening right now saying oh all now i'm confused who do i need a therapist or a coach how would you guide for example most, most of my clients have a therapist and me as a coach and it's mm-hmm. been just, it's been very different and helpful and very much working in yeah. kind of good well, synergy. I'll tell you this. The biggest distinction is a coach can give you advice and can actually tell you exactly what to do. Your therapist is actually going to make you look within. And okay. again, it that's the same thing. It's, it depends <laughs> on the therapist, right? Yeah. 
Um, but we're very more so about empowering you to make the decisions. And I think a coach does that too. We, they encourage, they empower, but more so they could put their own perspective. You can self-disclose, oh, you know, I actually went through that, that, that same thing, whether you had the same uh, experience or, or whatever, you can disclose that a therapist has to actually ethically think is self-disclosure the right, the right thing to do, because it's not about the therapist, right? It's about the person. So sometimes uh, therapists have to kind of be a little bit more mindful of disclosing personal information, even if it is to relate to someone. So sometimes it is important to find like, okay, maybe if you want someone to relate to you, if you want someone's process, like, let's just say, example, you you struggled with anxiety and you changed your lifestyle, changed your eating habits, all this. You have a framework of how you did that. You're the one that worked for you. Now you coach people um, using your framework. Mm-hmm. Therapy doesn't have that. The individual's framework, mm-hmm. the way I manage my anxiety is not how I'm going, it, how my client's going to manage their anxiety. Yeah. It's going to be very different. They're going to make their own framework. And that's how in therapy, we're going to figure out what that looks like for them. Right. So, yeah. so think about it. So if you had, like I said, if you created a framework, these are the ways I stop struggling, overcoming anxiety with lifestyle habits, whatever. Right. Yeah. And you're teaching that to your, to your coaching clients. Mm-hmm. A therapist is going to do it this very differently where they're going to discover because what happens when a, a client is not ready for coaching, they will not follow through. True, true. Yeah, you can't make someone change when they're not ready. Absolutely. I love that you shared this. Thank you so much. I'm just like so excited to take mm-hmm. this little bit and also share it with my clients and share it with my colleagues because I believe it can be confusing right now because the mm-hmm. online world becoming so overpopulated and there are people who stand out and they have a lot of skills yet. I'm not going to bash anybody. There are people who don't have credentials or mm-hmm. they're still, you know, getting into the industry and somehow sometimes it's becoming hard for people to find the right professional for them. So yeah. Yeah. Would you tell me how, um, how do you help women in your practice? They come to you perfectionists, they come to you being burnt out and they have a lot of anxiety. What do you usually provide and what, what are they seeking from you? Yeah, I think there for a lot of the things that I see that clients are seeking is compassion, no judgment. They already judge themselves a lot. They um, have this inner self-critic that feels very powerful, feels like it's controlling them. Um, They are seeing areas of their life that don't feel aligned with them. And so what I do is I provide a safe space for them. I challenge them. I'm one of those therapists that I'm very direct. Like I said, I tell clients, I I, like, I'll lovingly call them out on their behaviors because I really want to see the change. However, it really also does depend on the client. Client. Like if I have a client who's a little bit more on the highly sensitive side, then I will definitely change my approach to be a little bit more compassionate while still ch- sprinkling some challenging, yeah. um, you know, exercises. Some What I tell clients is like therapy is going to feel uncomfortable because that is you seeing growth. Growth is uncomfortable. Growth is, whether you're coaching or doing therapy, growth is uncomfortable. Healing is uncomfortable. And so allowing yourself the space to fail. I think I always tell my clients, especially perfectionists, there is no right way to do therapy. 
you are not going to get a A++ <laughs> after each session. I'm not going to tell you, you did so great. <laughs> like, no, I'm going to make sure that you are reaching your goals. So each person has a treatment plan, uh, specific goals that they're wanting to hit. And that's another misconception. They're like, you don't have any goals in therapy. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, do. Yeah. And if your therapist <laughs> didn't give you any goals, find a new one because you definitely need someone who's giving you a treatment plan. It's actually the ethical thing to do. And, and to, so, yeah, I hope that answered the question. It did. Yeah. And it, it just helps me understand like what, how many women are currently, how, how do you see this? It's, it's like a big question, probably maybe not for this podcast, how, um, what, what women are missing right now? Like in this, I feel so, so many women are struggling. They're getting into the point of burnout. Not only, not only at connection, work. connection. That's what you're seeing. Connect, honestly, like connection in like women are so, I think the way we were able to make friendships when we were younger is so much harder as you get older yeah. and you lose faith sometime in being able to build important connections. I, I, I find, I hear a lot of my clients say, I don't have a best friend or I don't have that individual other than my partner that I could rely on or that I could feel vulnerable with. Mm -hmm. And I think women are lacking feeling, um, a safe space to feel vulnerable because maybe their lived experiences haven't made it easy for them. Like if you, if you grew up with someone who said, stop crying. Don't do that. You know, don't do any of that. Um, it's going to be harder for you to be vulnerable to be like, look, I don't cry. Like that's yeah. not what we do. We don't, we push emotions. We do things. We, we, we're action oriented. We, we, we yeah. move on to the next thing. So I really think people are just building gen missing genuine connections, genuine friendships. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You said that, you know, I actually didn't expect this answer. Although I'm trying to quiet my inner, you know, talkative person and listen to you like, what is going to, what does she have to say about this? Is it different? If you don't mind me asking, is it yeah. different in your specific niche? Because you help Latinas. I come from Russian culture, from Belarusian mm -hmm. culture, very, very Soviet. And I feel like I had a couple of clients who belong to your niche. And I feel like the similarities are astounding how we've been raised and the parenting style is the same. So yeah. what are specific challenges usually they experience? Um, challenges, uh, setting boundaries, boundaries, <laughs> yeah. right? boundaries, yeah. um, people pleasing, yeah. right? Like these are some challenges, right? Like even also with building friendships, like you almost feel like you have to give your all in friendships and then it's, it's what happens. Like women end up getting in one-sided relationships, one-sided friendships, mm self-worth issues like or putting our self-worth in productivity because that's all we've been told like you know be successful and it could be um that the similarity is coming from being a first generation or or being uh, or coming from an immigrant family where you're seeing that part of survival was to be the very best that you can be and that there was no room to be vulnerable or to feel the pain because you just had to learn to survive, you know? So I think that, that maybe that's why people are, we see the similarities in different cultures that we all just want to belong, <laughs> but it's hard to belong and be authentic when society tells us we got to be a certain way, you know, yeah, especially yeah. as a woman. 
Yeah, especially as a woman, especially in the culture that if you mm-hmm. had the conservative or strict upbringing, mm-hmm. you almost like made me emotional saying that. And part of survival, like part of me is just like, feels like resonating because the years and years of anxiety driven decisions and stress driven decisions, I feel like at some point you either break, which you know, my personal story, I burned out three times and I was done with that. Or you just ride those waves all the time. What do you think women could shift in their habits to kind of peel back those layers and kind of get, get better at identifying, being aware about their perfectionists, perfectionism, being more aware of their habits in terms of like mental health habits? Yeah, I think first comes like being aware of what emotions are you experiencing the most and when do they come, right? Like, are you constantly feeling disappointed? Are you constantly feeling resentful? Are you constantly feeling angry? All of those feelings are might be indicators that we're, we don't have boundaries. We are expecting other people to do things the same way we would expect ourselves to do it. And that could present a challenge because not every person is going to share the same expectations and share the same values as you. And so I think that that's one of the shifts that you can make. Also, another shift is like practicing gratitude. We're so driven to think about the future and think about what's going to happen next. How do I improve? How do I do this? And if you're a perfectionist, you have to learn how to tolerate uncertainty. And how do you tolerate uncertainty is by really killing it with kindness and killing it with gratitude, even just taking five minutes out of your day. I think I've shared this and maybe you've seen it on my Instagram where I share like the five minute journal. And I love that because it's such an easy thing to do where I get to allow myself to be grateful for the things. Because when I, when I'm not grateful, I find myself scrolling more on TikTok or scrolling more on Instagram, looking at other people and other women that I admire um, and comparing myself to to them. Even if I don't want the same thing, I still compare. Mm -hmm. And I think that, oh, my life is not as best as how their life is. But it, when I don't stay in gratitude, that's what happens. So knowing what happens when you don't do these things, when you don't Mm -hmm. do the things that make you feel good. And now you're, comparing yourself, feeling anxious or feeling overwhelmed, that is your signal that says we need to be putting these habits in place. We need to ask ourselves what aligns with us right now and the season that we're into, right? Because I think everybody's life changes. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you said you shared your little personal habit. Mm -hmm. Like if you're listening to this now and you feel like you're doom scrolling on Instagram or social uh, stop, drop, and do gratitude. Five minutes, right? That doesn't take a lot, but it just rewires your brain and makes you acknowledge things more. So you're saying acknowledging, making sure you're more centered in the present moment for what you have versus what you don't have. What are your personal habits like? What are you think the most important things for your mental health? Yeah. So for me, of course, my five minute journal, it's been something that I've worked on, um, to be able to practice gratitude. Another thing is, um, one of the habits that I've set is to have meetings with my husband, especially when it comes to like conflicts or things that we might miscommunicate. It's very important for me to communicate. And so that we learn what the expectations are for one another or what season we're in. Like if I have a busy season at work, I'm, I, I communicate that with him. Hey, I have a busy season at work. And this may mean that I may not be pulling my weight in cooking, or I might, I, I may need your help doing this a little, 
like more of these things at home. Um, I also habit is to share how I'm feeling, even if it's, even if it is, um, not a positive feeling towards the other person. Um, because I felt like if, when I've kept myself quiet for my feelings, I'm left to deal with them all on my own. And sometimes it may be that the other person has some input. Um, and maybe the other person doesn't even know that they're making me feel that way. So I do that. And then another habit is making a list of things you've been avoiding. That's a good one. Oh, I feel like this one can ping and pinch a few people, right? Because yes. we're avoiding lies, the most important stuff or hard stuff. So what is it? What do you do with that list? Yeah. So it could be similar to a brain dump, right? Like think about all the things that are occupying your brain, but in, in this list specific is things you've been avoiding. Yeah. Um, like, the, like I've been avoiding my brake light was con- like on my <laughs> dashboard was com- com- like showing and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to do this. But I kept avoiding it because I made it bigger than I actually thought it was I'm like man I have to do this and then I have to do this and so when I find myself when I do my avoiding list I'm able to then break down those tasks to much simpler because if I say um figure out the brake light situation that gives me nothing but if I say call this mechanic with this number and ask to schedule an appointment. Like that's going to probably, that tells me exactly what I need to do, but I first need to come aware with why, what, like it's, I'm avoiding it. So why am I avoiding it? Oh, I think it's too hard. Or why am I avoiding it? I don't know how to do it. Right. So some of those questions that you can ask yourself, um, one of the other things I was avoiding was, I have a list. Like I had a list of things I was avoiding. Oh, I was avoiding to book a girl's trip with my best friend. And I was like, why am I avoiding this? Oh, it's because I haven't seen her for a long time. And so now I'm like, well, is it like, are we going to pick up where we last started? Right. So now I can actually understand the story that I'm telling myself in my head of why I'm avoiding this thing. So I think it's important just to like make that list, especially when you're feeling overwhelmed And if you feel like tackling it, great. But if not, at least you know that Mm -hmm. those are the things you're avoiding. And now you can actually face them or get some help. Yeah, that's beautiful. And this way it also doesn't occupy the precious real estate in your head, right? Can I come fix your brake light? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, it's fixed now. It's it's fixed now. now. It's good. Yeah, you know, I just started thinking how often we just, this creates anxiety. And I did want to ask you about any tips, tricks, hacks for anxiety, because every person I talk to have, like they have something going on in their life. So either too much stress or too much of that high pitch, you know, noise in their chest and mind and everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the tips to release some anxiety, it, it just depends. So I see a lot of people who who have anxiety and overwhelm tend to avoid, right. And then tend to procrastinate. So one of the tips that I like to do is called the five minute rule. I don't know why this, (laughs) this whole is like, everything is five minutes. Um, well, this particular one is five minutes. Um, so basically you put your timer for five minutes. You think of the task. Well, before you set the timer for five minutes, you think of the tasks that you've been avoiding or that you want to get done or that you want to build some momentum to put the timer, you start it after the five minutes, you could either continue working on the task or you can stop it but regardless you're five minutes Mm -hmm. in and it's so much easier to 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 
hack your brain to tolerate five minutes and to tolerate five hours, which is usually what, how we build up stuff in our head. Yeah. Like we think it's like, oh my gosh, it takes so much fucking time. I'm going to like, I can't do it. And so yeah, five minute rule. I also just, if you're feeling anxious, you're feeling like you're having a panic, panic attack. I like the five, four, three, two, one. Again, I don't know why there's fives for everything, but yeah. five, four, three, two, one is five things you can see, four things you can touch, mm-hmm. three things you can smell, two things you can hear, and one thing you can taste. I believe that's okay. the yeah. that's the thing, and that's just to stay present, right? Yeah. If you're feeling overwhelmed, this allows you to scan the room and to stop thinking the thoughts yeah. that you were thinking. Yeah, and I think especially the last one with five, four, three, two, one is good when you don't have any control. You can't take action. Like it's not the break life situation. It's something like I don't know. The world is ending, yeah, <laughs> right? Sure. Because many people have that fear with things yes. happening. I love that. Well, I'm gonna start wrapping us up. I'm gonna have a rapid fire of questions you were not prepared for, and I don't even have a list right now in front of me, so it's gonna be really improvisational. So well, that makes you, that's making me anxious. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Your favorite beverage at any coffee shop any coffee shop it's so I like the passion tea with lemonade from Starbucks but if I need coffee and iced vanilla latte awesome dog or cat person dog favorite tv show favorite tv show uh the favorite tv show that I continuously watch is gossip girl like I will rewatch watch that over and over (laughs) again I think everybody has their show that they always rewatch I feel like, I feel like it's especially, but I was curious what a therapist would have to <laughs> say yeah. about the show. Girl, something not, yeah, I can, that's the, 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 the thing about being a therapist is like, you can't even watch movies and shows because you're just like analyzing the behavior. Yeah. So sometimes that ruins it for us, but, yes, um, but yeah, yes. Gossip Girl is a good one. Awesome. Your walk on song. If you're on big stage, what would it be? Uh, Bruno Mars Uptown Funk. It's the one I even do for karaoke. It's the it's 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 my it's what pumps me up. Is Are that you your favorite? Serious? It's my top top of oh, the top. That. That's so cool. <laughs> Nobody on the podcast yet said this. I love you so much for it. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like seriously the song that can make any day better. Right. I think that, right. And vacation, beach, mountains, desert beach mountains desert you know I've never been to the mountains but I think that would be my thing because I'm not a big fan of the beach so I would say mountains but I have never been so I I need to put that on my list cool I love that well I appreciate you so much being here any last words of wisdom and I'm going to also ask you where people can find you um for anybody who is struggling with anxiety or any anything in, in this world just know that that you can over overcome anything you just may need someone else helping you along the way don't let don't don't do it alone yeah yeah thank you for that because I feel like that's that's the hardest part awesome I I love what we talked about today I feel like I would I would have to have you again because reparenting thing came up and I feel like we gotta talk about it (laughs) how to create I feel like everybody's needs that and where people can find you what do you have going on in your business how people can work with you yeah. So if any, if uh, you're in the state of Texas, I'm accepting new clients and you could just go to my website, Monica Denias.com. Denias is spelled D-E-N-A-I-S. And if you want to do, if you're a woman entrepreneur and wanted to go to coaching, that's available for anybody in the U.S. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. My handles are at Cafe with Monica or just look my name up. 
Um, and I have a podcast called Cafe with Monica. And so I talk about um, topics on mental health and entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I am so grateful for you being here, finding the time for me in your schedule and just sharing those like firsthand things. I'd love to hear them. And I'll make sure to link all of the resources in the show notes. Go follow Monica. Her Instagram posts are incredible. I'll save them, use them because I feel like we all need that little bit of nudge and feeling that we're not alone and we're connected to someone awesome. Absolutely. Thank you.